Welcome to City Life Church, and this is our podcast. This is Pastor Dave Diefendorf, and we are so honored to have you join us today. Our passion is to help you discover who God is, grow in the likeness of Jesus, and lead well in this generation. I hope in this message, God will meet you where you're at and take you to the next level in your connection with Him and His kingdom. Enjoy the message. Good morning. Happy post-Sunday resurrection Easter uh, yeah, it's the 16th. Happy, happy day. Happy day. Well, hopefully, uh, <clears throat> I'm still digesting uh, Easter calories. <laughs> I may be still digesting calories from many, many moons ago. Anyway, um, good morning. Hope you guys are having a great day. Um, we're going to start a new series today called The Abundant Life. And um, hopefully you're going to get a lot of life out of this and a lot of vision and excitement and maybe even correction from the Lord, which is all good because in that we get to grow up. Amen? So uh, with that, um, I'm just going to launch us off in this series on resurrected life. Uh, there's a lot of uh, things out there that promise life, promise Kind of the mirage, you know, once you kind of get here, life will be grand. Life will be green pastures. Life will be what you've always dreamed it to be. But how many know the more life we live, the more we realize we go down those roads and they end up being cul-de-sacs and not oasises, not utopias. They're actually kind of dead ends and we realize like, oh my gosh, I've been going down the wrong road. I'm not finding any life out of here. I'm finding actually more misery, more depression more enslavement to my feelings or to the things of the world. And so Jesus came along and said this. John 10, verse 9, he says, Yes, I am the gate. In our prayer time, this this scripture actually came up uh, for worship. This was wonderful. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. Wherever they go, they will find green pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy I have come to give life, and life abundantly. Life in all its fullness, this resurrection life that Jesus lives in today, God wants to give that life to you, and that is the reward of the cross. Going off of Resurrection Sunday, uh, we're going we're to dive into, like, how do we walk in this abundant life? I know that it's promised, I know that it's there, but actually how do I seize that and walk it out in my life to I know I'm living in God's abundant life? Not just suspect, but know I'm living in God's abundant life. How do we live this out day to day, to grow to know the Lord, to know our hearts, know our hearts are connected, and we are being who we're made to be and doing what we're made to do? This is what... These next handful of weeks are all about just training us of how do we as followers of Jesus, if you are a follower of Jesus, how do we walk in this abundant life that he promises? Sounds good? So uh, let's get our hearts ready and let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for your resurrection life. Father, that all those who humble themselves and come before you and give their allegiance to you, Father, you bestow upon them resurrection life, abundant life. And so, Father, I pray that you would help us grow a hunger in us to live in that abundant life. God, there's so many things that 
peel our hearts away from being focused on you. And God, I pray that just in this next season, God, that you would have, our, have your way in our hearts, that you would be Lord and King and teach us and train us how to walk in your abundant life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, back in the day, um, year 2000, <laughs> for some of you, that was like, uh, I wasn't even born yet. But um, I, uh, when I graduated college from KU, I moved out to L.A. and uh, lived in L.A. for a small little season. And it's funny because I grew up in Colorado and then, you know, college in Kansas, you know, pretty much middle of the country. And then, you know, you move out to L.A. and it's totally different culture. I don't know if you've ever lived on the coasts, but just definitely different culture. Pace is a lot different, uh, a lot more different kinds of people kind of walking around. Anyway, it's really fun. Smoggy, busy, every drive is 45 minutes, but, you know, you're in L.A. Anyway, so... Um, there's a thing out there, and, and I guess you can kind of suspect, but when you live in L.A., celebrity sightings are a thing. Like, it's a, con like it's a, it's a thing. And so, uh, you know, living out there, there would be maybe every other week, there would be somebody that would come and say, hey, hey, man, I saw Schwarzenegger smoking a stogie in, the, on, in his Hummer, man. And everybody around him, what? You saw Who? And then it's like, oh, man, this is great. And it's like, I've always, <laughs> and just coming from Midwest, you know, it's just, just a different culture. And so it's kind of like outside the purview of what I grew up kind of like living in. And then it's like, man, you didn't even meet him? No, 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 man, we just drive by, just drive by. It's like, well, you didn't even meet him? He doesn't even know you? And you're coming back with this story like, I saw him. And it's like, yeah. But they don't even know you, you know, so what good is this kind of... But it's sometimes like I think we kind of treat God in the same way. We have a moment with God. We, we get a glimpse of what he wants to do in our lives or who he's calling us to be. We have like a drive-by sighting with God, his presence, his voice. And then we keep those short glimpses of drive-bys thinking that we actually know God. Many who claim the name of Christians are strangers to Christ. It begins and ends with you and the Lord. Huge difference between knowing about him and knowing him. Knowing his character, his voice. Talking to, relating to, counseling with, receiving guidance, correction, encouragement. It's a place where God builds his identity in us, his authority in us. And Jesus spoke about the importance of this all the time with his disciples. But one of the times that he really articulates it well is in John 15. It's a common verse we've heard. But I want you to hear it again of like, this is the source. This is my source of eternal resurrection life. 15.1, I am the true vine, Jesus said, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. You have already been pruned for greater fruitfulness by the message I have given you. 
abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Jesus is speaking of something that most everybody would know in that culture of how to tend a vineyard, certain ways in which to get the most yield out of a vineyard, the gardener has to do certain things. He has to make sure it's watered. He needs to make sure that the vines are tied up and so the, the, the fruit has a chance to flower out instead get bunched up. And this gardener knows how to bring out the most of each branch. And how he does it is he makes sure that they're connected to the vine. If there's no source, if there's no nutrients, that branch just ends up withering and dying. I don't know if you've like been spring cleaning on your house, but man, just living trees end up, just produ- end up producing kind of sometimes dead branches. And part of your job, part of the gardener's job is to come by and say, actually, I want the most out of this, and so I'm going to take away the stuff that's actually hindering it to grow. And that's what Jesus said. He is the true vine. Abide in him. This nutrients, this life source. And he says, you've already been pruned for greater fruitfulness by the message. If you're a follower of Jesus, you've already been pruned because that's what repentance is. It's God coming in and pruning our life, pruning the things of the world out of us, pruning our attitudes and our opinions and what we think is true. But then he lands this. He says, abide in me. Now, we don't colloquially use abide anymore in English 21st century, um, unless you're quoting, you know, some old movies. But anyway, uh, the dude doesn't abide. Anyway, so abiding, abiding, it means to wait, to remain with, to dwell with, to sojourn with, to relax. And you go on vacation, you go on a sojourn. And it's this kind of like abide with Jesus, abide with me, is his, is his command. Not just a suggestion, he's like, if you're a follower of me, abide in me. Jesus demonstrated this himself throughout his ministry of what did it mean, what does it look like for someone to abide with the Father well. Even though he was God in the flesh, it says like when he came down, he put his godness aside and took the form of a man, and he walked this life as we should have, as Israel should have for thousands of years prior. But he comes and lives this perfect life, and, and with it, we just see a lot of things that we can pull. Jesus demonstrated that he would abide with the Lord before a major task. One of Jesus' you know, first things he does is he gets baptized by John and then goes, where does he go? Right after that. Right when his ministry begins with John and the dove and the voice from the Father, this is my son, with him I'm fully pleased. Wow. You'd think now would be the time where Jesus would kind of get that commission from the Lord or that special kind of, not commission, but it's more for the people around than it was for Jesus himself. But anyway, You'd think that he would start going to village to village. No. Right away, it says right away, he goes off and fasts for 40 days in the wilderness. Wait, what? He's starting his ministry and 
Jesus, couldn't you have you done that before? Like 40 days before you came and then, hey, John the Baptist, boom, little power encounter, and then you start your ministry. No, because God's values are different than ours. And Jesus began building his ministry on abiding with the Father completely. Secondly, we, he, he goes and bides with the Father to recharge after work, hard work. He, in Mark 6, he sends the 12 out to do ministry after they had been watching him for about a good year. And he sends them out with the same authority, hey, do the same things I've been doing, go to village to village. And they come back, they return, and there's some celebrations, there's some wins. And then Jesus' encouragement is, from that hard work, Go separate yourself from the people and rest. How about Jesus abiding with the Father through grief? Matthew 14, after Jesus learned that his cousin John the Baptist was beheaded, he went away by himself. Yes, even the Son of God grieves. Number four, before making an important decision. We see this in Luke 6, Jesus has a lot of followers around, and he needs to decide who are the 12. And it says he went away and abided with the Father, and he got wisdom and insight, came back. He knew exactly who the 12 would be. Number five, a time of distress. Luke 22, hours before Jesus is arrested, he went to the Mount of Olives and short distance away, the disciples are praying, but he was in great emotional agony knowing that he was what he was about to face. He abided with the Father. And then lastly, to focus on prayer. Many times throughout Jesus' ministry, there's probably, I don't know, seven times where it mentions throughout the Gospels where Jesus, just in the day-to-day, -day, gets up early and goes to be with the Father, separates himself from everybody and goes to be with the Father. Jesus showed us what closeness to the Father looks like. Now, how about you? How about you when you're facing a major, major task at work? Do you abide with the Father first? How about uh, recharging after hard work, you know, just kind of the, the, the me time, the, uh, the lounge time? Do you abide with the Lord when you're super tired? Or grief, major decisions. When we kind of go through this list, it's, man, abiding with him, we get the strength that we need for everything that's being dealt to us. Everything. Everything. And more so. You and I need to cultivate a stillness and a quietness before the Lord. And it's like seemingly everything in our culture. When I say that, stillness and quietness, it's like, oh. How do I do that? <laughs> I mean, just because almost everything around us is working against us actually maybe getting quiet and still. Be more faster. Get things done quicker. Be more efficient. And here's the Lord just saying, be with me. God wants you to feel at home with him. Be at home with him. You know how you... Get to be at home with somebody that you didn't actually grow up with, like a friend. You just, you spend time together. <laughs> you have memories together. You create, you have, you have this kind of history, this, this logged history 
That it's like, man, when I'm with that person, man, I feel at home. I'm fully known. Sometimes this, this uh, kind of comes up in uh, uh, more ways that we can observe is, is around the holidays, right? We get around holidays, and sometimes you, you got to go to a friend's house or uh, your spouse's kind of family or whatever, and then you get in that kind of space, and it's just not... Home, you kind of have to be on a little bit, right? Like, hey, hey, you know, I'll take out the trash, no problem. And I'm going to have good attitudes when I'm going to ask you to get chores. or, You know, just kind of like, man, you're always just game on. Jesus wants you to know the Father so well that you are at home with him. That you don't have to put on anything because he already knows everything. But sometimes it takes us a minute to get at home with the Lord. Hebrews 4 says, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. When do we need him? When do you need him? I don't know about you, but my answer is I need him every day. It's not just about the major tasks or the major life decisions. It's every day. This is where resurrection, abundant life of God is birthed. It's in that still space before him. It's where he shapes us and fashions us, speaks to us. And he becomes our true father and a faithful friend. It's this abiding, being with, remaining in. I, my own personal journey of just, I grew up in a large church, large youth ministry, large everything was big and sexy. And it was, and as I went to college, I started kind of just kind of doing my own thing, feeling and wanting that freedom. But the more I kind of went down that road of building my own life, my own freedom, it's my own I just started making mistake after mistake after mistake and kind of becoming a person I didn't want to become, doing the things I didn't really, in my heart of hearts, really want to, but it was kind of like, hey, it's the easiest thing, a lot of other people. And then God grabbed a hold of my heart, and it was like this space in between him and me became like formed, and for, I don't know, what is it? Almost 30 years, that place of being with the Lord is the greatest source of life you could ever have, ever. It's unending. It's abundant. You think of like, uh, you know, land developers and, sorry, this is a total left field kind of thought, but, you know, like oil guys, and you think, man, I just want to find some oil that would be, wouldn't it be great, like a Beverly Hills hillbilly situation? Be like, it's a non-ending well of oil. And it's like, dude, I'm rich. And yet Christians walk, wake up, walk through a day, fall asleep, and repeat it a thousand times, never really seeing that the creator of the universe has actually hand-picked, chosen to have a relationship with you, and we are caught busy doing other things. In the Gospels, we come across this story of two women, 
Two, follower, two fellow followers of Jesus. And we find this story in Luke 10. Verse 38, as Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. Could you imagine? Anyway, saying that to Jesus. Okay. Okay. But here's what the Lord said. The Lord said to her, My dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and I will not take it away from her. Wow. So here's these two women. Martha? And Mary, Martha invites Jesus in, feels the, maybe the weight of that, and, or, or like, hey, there's a teacher, there's a rabbi. May, she may not, have, there's no inclination that, but she calls him Lord. Anyway, Martha, busy, all the details, all the things you guys get done. I've got a host, and so I gotta get, and I gotta get, and I gotta, and just the, the franticness, you can kind of, you know, probably making some noises in the, you know, it's like before she came out to ask Jesus, was she banging, you know, bang, because that's what I would kind of do, just kind of bang around and then, hey, what's going on in here? Hey, I need your help. Stay in here. Anyway, <laughs> she goes out to Jesus, asks him, doesn't it seem unfair to you? And then Jesus's response just completely flips the tables on Martha. Because you imagine Martha's response? Like, I don't even know what you're meaning. What do you mean? She's the one. She's, she's the one sitting there. And it's like Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. He says there's only one thing being concerned about. Mary has discovered it. What? What Jesus is saying. What Jesus is teaching. Probably Jesus is thinking, man, I wish Martha was in here because then she could hear what I'm saying. Not Martha saying, hey, I wish Mary was in here helping me out with what I got to do. He is the vine. He's the source of life. Mary found. How much of us are we like Martha? Doing busy work, doing a lot of things, maybe for the Lord, yet never being with the Lord. He is the vine. Your source of life. So, as we kind of start tray tables up, what do we need to do? Number one, make time. Make time. We make time for the people that we love. You do. The most important people, hey, can I get, hey, no problem. Close friend, hey, can I get you to come over? Hey, no problem. We make time for those that we love. Spouse, kids, friends. But what seems to suck up most of my time that I have found is this. This. And we're running around thinking, hey, I'm so busy, I'm so busy, I'm so busy. And yet you spend two, three hours on this. A day. Easy. 
There's a great book by Neil Postman called Amusing Ourselves to Death. It was written 30 years ago, but he kind of gives a commentary as to kind of uh, uh, how media has changed over the past like 300 years and on how in certain cold, when our culture was, uh, when we didn't have any kind of newspaper or TV or news feed, uh, we read a lot. And he, his kind of argument is that's probably the most rational time our like, society was. Most rational, most literate. And ever since kind of like um, mass media, television and, and the like, he's like, it's, we're just amusing ourselves to death. There's a lot of things going out there we're not aware of because we're just kind of locked in on this. So, here's a reality check question. How much time per day, <laughs> how much time per day do you spend on this versus how much time of the day do you spend reading this? It should look similar. But it's more like this. And then we turn around and we wonder, how can I feel the Lord? I'm not sensing his presence. I'm not hearing his voice. I'm not really connecting with him. Well, maybe here's why. Maybe just start looking at your week and say, all right, when am I seriously going to start making time to be with the King of kings and Lord of lords and not get distracted by this anymore, but being deliberate with this? Amen? So what does that look like? Morning? Pop up the morning. Start your day off right. You start your day off with a little coffee. Even better for your spirit, start your day off with a little Jesus. How about throughout the day, just driving? There's so much noise constantly. I had a good buddy that like literally every waking moment that he had, that he was awake, there was always noise. There was music, there was a TV, there was earbuds, there was just constant something. Even while trying to go to sleep, he couldn't stand the silence. He had to have something playing in order to even fall asleep. And I'm just like, man, where in his schedule would he be able even to kind of hear the Lord? So block out this needless noise. Make time. Morning, throughout the day, and even in the evening. Ever since the beginning of this year, I've just been taking one night a week. And after everybody kind of goes to sleep, I'm just like, this is my time, my like extended time with the Lord. Just praying, just reading scripture, just being with him, almost like I'm on the date, you know, but just not rom weirdly romantic, but just kind of like, man, this is time with the Lord, concerted time, just me and him. It has nothing to do with anybody else. And yet our evenings just kind of just seem to get sucked up. But make time. So look at your schedule. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you love him, it's like, God, how am I going to raise the game in this next season? How am I going to raise the bar on myself this next season? Nobody's looking over your shoulder. But it's like, hey, between me and the Lord, this is I want to be all in on this. So make time. Number two, be still. We're really bad at this. Again, because of our culture, because of how we're trained, it just, it may take a, a moment to learn what it means to be still before the Lord. It may not be the perfect kind of like stillness that you were kind of envisioning on the front end. 
But it's a discipline that God wants you to start bringing into your life, if you haven't yet, to learn what does it mean to kind of be still before the Lord. And if I can, as I train myself to be still before the Lord in private, and as that grows, as that becomes at home with me, as that becomes familiar, then I can go out and in a moment, I can still my heart as I'm driving to work. I, I can still my heart when there's kind of chaos kind of going on around me. It's a discipline. But be still. How many times does the scripture actually command us to be still? Be still and know that he is God. Be still. Wait on the Lord. Remain in him. Abide in him. And then lastly, oh, be still. Here's some other uh, ideas in that stillness. Like there's literal quietness. Like that. Sometimes um, abiding with the Lord or communing with the Lord, just for me, it's instrumental worship. Just kind of like there's no words to kind of distract me, but just kind of like instrumental worship. Communing with the Lord, abiding with Him, reading and meditating on His Word, like His life-giving Word that says it, it goes out and it doesn't return void, but it accomplishes the purpose for which it was sent. And so it's like, man, when you're reading the Bible, it's like, man, I'm putting His Word to work in this heart by just reading it, because it doesn't return void. Man, that's amazing. Journaling through what God's speaking, like write it down so you can look back and say, man, I remember when you said that. And let him speak to your heart and mind and will what he desires. Be still. Be it, make, make time. Be still. And then lastly, grow. Grow into the masterpiece God's making you to be. He's fashioning the world out of you and the kingdom of God in you. So abide with him. This is a journey to know God, to be at home with him and enjoy him fully. Our, our heart's deepest satisfaction, your heart's deepest satisfaction is found only in abiding with the Lord. Deepest satisfaction. Philippians 3, we see this kind of, this passion, this deepest satisfaction being articulated by the Apostle Paul to this letter to Philippians. It says, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection with Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Now, the context of, of Paul, he's... he's He's talking about his ministry and, and, and the things that he wants to accomplish through his ministry. But this passion for like, I want all that God has for me. I'm forgetting the past. I'm kind of, I'm forgetting the old ruts. I'm forgetting kind of like how I used to kind of maybe immaturely relate to the Lord. But I'm pressing on. I'm looking forward. I'm actually going to grow up in maturity in him, being at home with him. So let's have that same passion and hunger as Paul, forgetting what lies behind. Man, forget your old, you know, 
trash daily discipline or daily routine. You know, if, if it wasn't serving you, let's up your game. Let's up the game. Proverbs 13, 4 says, ooh, I love this one. This came out of the blue yesterday, and I was just like, ooh, I got to throw it in. The soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. Man, that's so good. The soul of the sluggard, the one who craves and desires, and God, I want that kind of life, but yet does nothing. Don't be like the sluggard. Don't have sluggardly faith. All right? But be diligent. So that diligence is richly supplied by God. You've been made for this. And as we kind of land, it's just, it's so grateful. I'm so grateful. And we should be grateful. And blown away by the fact, I said it earlier, that the fact that God has hand-selected you and I to walk before him in such a time as this, like in this generation, in a pivotal generation. There's things happening around us that are kind of maybe waking us up to the fact that maybe this is way more of a pivotal generation than I've maybe ever seen before. So what else is more important? Being at the feet of Jesus, doing a lot of things, for Jesus, or being at the feet of Jesus, communing with him, getting that resurrection life, all of the remaining like resurrection life kind of things we're talking about all begin here with you and him. Amen? So make time, be still, and grow. Let's pray. Lord God, I... Appreciate the irony of people coming to church to be encouraged to go back home to be with you. <laughs> but God, we know that's where life, all of life, that's where our life source is, with you, sweet Jesus. So Father, I pray that, God, maybe if we've never experienced that kind of abundant life, Father, I pray that we would get honest with ourselves and say, God, I've been so kind of distracted by the world, so busy from the world, so consumed with my own life, consumed with my own dreams, consumed with my own pleasures or desires, God, and I pray that, Lord, this morning, God, you would take over my heart and, God, produce in me a person that you have planned since long ago, that you've been born for. So, Father, I pray that, Lord, we would just give our lives afresh to you today. To say, God, have your way. God, we give our allegiance to you. We give our life to you. But God, we know that in that death is life. In that surrender comes your abundant, life-giving life. And so, Father, I pray that, Lord, if we've never experienced your abundant life, that, Lord, right now we would surrender our life to you. Lord, come and be king. And, Lord, have your way. Be leader in our life. God, we repent of trying to be God. And we come into your kingdom with you being king and us being your servant. But Lord, there's many of us that have maybe walked with you, know you, maybe know you well. But Father, there's been a little 
nipping at the heel. There's been just a stealer of time, a, a stealer of energy, God, getting us off balance, distracted. Father, I pray that this morning, God, you would recenter us, recalibrate us in Jesus' name. God, that we would leave here calibrated for you, for spending time with you, for being still before you, and to grow. Father, I pray that you would meet every one of us this week, God, to show up powerfully in our times together with you. Let your word speak to us in powerful ways, maybe in ways we've never even had experience before. Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts as we're with you and you guide and lead. And Lord, let us get to know your voice. Let it become a familiar sound. Lord God, thank you that, God, you give us everything we need for life and godliness. God, you give us the desire to obey you and the power to do what pleases you. God, you are the source of everything. And so, Lord, we pray that we would just submit ourselves humbly to you and may we give our time and attention to the most important thing, which is you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. With that, uh, we're going to kind of start expanding out. How do we grow this resurrection life beyond ourselves? And we'll get there next week. But with that, have a good time with the Lord, and we'll see you next week. Well, we hope this message has inspired you and challenged you to be the man or woman he's called you to be now and to see his kingdom grow in every area and arena of life. God is with you more than you know. For more information about our community here in Kansas City, please visit us online at citylifekc.org and we'll see you next time on the City Life Podcast.